Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie, and we had a bet last week. We did. Chelsea and Man United, the next beer that we consumed together would be on the loser. And unfortunately, especially for me, because Chelsea's top of the table, Manchester United is just kind of, you know, spinning its tires a little bit. But yeah, hey, we, we, have a draw, we beat Crystal so we don't, Palace we don't before have we any... started. What's that? We beat Crystal Palace before we started this podcast. We're, we're at least trying to trend upward, at least. And Chelsea lost to West Ham yesterday, that being Saturday. Mm-hmm. So maybe you took a little steam from us in that, uh, in that 1-1 draw. But I guess things are looking up for you while things are not looking as good right now for Chelsea. But again, alas, no beer will exchange hands. We'll just have to settle our own tabs, Julian. Okay, that's fine. But I mean, I, I got you next time you're in Montreal. I mean, then again, like, When's the last time you've been in Montreal? Actually, we've we've never hung out in my city. I've hung out in your city. No, we've never. We've no, never I haven't been in Montreal city. for a while. Certainly since the start of the pandemic, a bachelor right. party was had there for uh, one of one of my buddies a couple years ago. That was probably like five oh. years ago now, which is pretty crazy. Oh. That was a good time though. Uh, but the draft is looming. Jeff Gordon will be probably holding a major card at that at said draft. Uh, but hopefully, I can make my way down there for that because it only makes sense. It's you know, train, get there quickly. Beer with Julian Crescent Street, Julian. Could See be him Crescent. in his natural habitat. That should be very interesting. It could be Crescent. It could be Saint Denis. It could be Saint Laurent. It could be like so many others. Saint Catherine. It could be Peel. It could be so. We got. We have plenty of options, my friend. We'll we'll make that work. And plus, it seems as if everyone's going to be in Montreal for the draft. So this might. It could even. It could even be like a big hangout where like we're hanging out. And like CJ like crashes the party and like a whole bunch of other people come through this. We could be in for some legendary nights. I'm going to have to like shotgun di- or get claim dibs on uh, on like a segment of your itinerary that weekend because I'm sure oh, it's going to be quite busy for you. You might as well just rent a podcast studio for that weekend alone <laughs> because you're going to have quite a few you're going to have to do. I think I might have to do that to be honest with you. Like for CJ's show, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if it'll actually happen. It looks like it'll probably happen, but he's supposed to be in Montreal on Monday. I literally mm. have been texting a bunch of friends all week being like, hey, could I use your studio so we can record our show uh, in person on the Monday? So if I find a way to make this work out for a Monday episode, when it comes time for us to 
to do shows in uh, for around the draft. Like, I, I think I'll have some location scouting. I got Avery hitting me up all the time being like, hey, what are we doing the in-person zone time show for the – like, what's going on for that? And, and like, the draft would be a perfect time for that to happen. So, yeah, whoever uh, has got podcast studios in Montreal, hit me up. It would be. Maybe if you buy four days, you get one free because you're probably going to have five days of content to fill out. That oh, weekend, yeah. you mentioned the options for us. Those options are – there for Jeff Gorton as well. Uh, let's start with the Montreal Canadiens as we did last week um, because we have more information. We were actually sort of talking hypothetically last week, but everything that we were talking about sort of did come exactly to fruition. We expected Jeff Gordon to be named the executive vice president of hockey operations in Montreal, and we expected that he would have someone to come working under him. So, you know, we were able to sort of break it down without breaking it down last week, but now we've had Jeff Gordon speak to the media. We've had a little bit more information on who he might want to work with. So I'll just, well, before I open the floor to you, let's let's have you rate his French because he did start with a little <laughs> bit of a opening. It was a lot like grade nine French for uh, anyone who's been through the school system outside of Quebec. Uh, that's probably what it sounds like uh, more often than not, but uh, I'll give you the opportunity to uh, either rate or tear down his French speaking skills. Look, I'm never going to denigrate a guy for trying their hardest with French. And as, as an Anglophone who's able to speak French, and even my French isn't that perfect, it would be extremely hypocritical for me to tear down a person for being able to speak French. But I think the fact that he started off that conference that way, I told you, I had a feeling it was going to happen that way, but mm -hmm. it ended up being a point in that press conference. People were asking him, hey, are you going to commit to learning the language? And he seemed pretty open to doing that. I mean, the fact that we're discussing language with the Montreal Canadiens and that position of GM and pretty much any other front facing position in their in their hockey operations Obviously, Montreal being the unique market it is, it, it has to come up, essentially. It, so it was pretty interesting to hear Jeff Gorton uh, start off with that statement in French, but also say that he'd be willing to obviously kind of just commit to trying to learn the language, even though he won't be speaking to the media or at least speaking to other GMs nearly as much as the prospective GM candidate will be. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing all these different names come up for who could fill in that position. I know we touched off on a few of them last week when we were talking, but like it, it's it's pretty clear that they're they're trying to go for that bilingual name. And and this entire debate uh has just kind of come to a head. There was a clip I, I shared on on Twitter uh over the weekend. Uh, a, a guy on a French radio station called in and was in hysterics over the fact that Jeff Gordon got hired. Uh, off the fact that, oh, they let the Canadians go to some American who doesn't know anything about the culture here. Like, it's it's a serious, like, contentious issue. I had a whole debate with, like, one of my buddies during a game, and he was explaining to me about how, like, it's so important to have that French or at least that, that candidate who can speak French to the fans and to media people. And, hey, if you're trying to think of the best GM candidate out there who can ab who's able to speak French, he happens to be the the guy, Julian Brisbois, who happens to be the best possible GM candidate out there. So, Right. The fact that it's just been this debate for like more than a week now, like my head is freaking spinning over this. And it's probably going to continue to spin until after Christmas, because that's what it seems as if a GM will actually be named. I'd be surprised if they go back on that and they name somebody before Christmas. But Jeff Gordon made it seem as if 
after Christmas is when we'll hear about uh, who the next GM will be. So we have a few more weeks of more debates and uh, more speculation as to who the next GM will be. That's perfect. I mean, it'll carry the day for a little while as uh, Montreal, you know, kind of hovers near the bottom of the uh, Atlantic Division standings. Uh, Yeah, it's clear Jeff Gordon is not going to be the guy that's going to be speaking fluent French. Like, I know he wants to learn. He'll probably pick up some uh, and he'll be able to pass in in certain situations if he's able to actually dive into learning the language. But being that person who is that spokesperson is going to be difficult for him, obviously. But that was never the plan. I mean, let's let's be honest. Yeah. That was a kind of endearing moment where he was talking uh, in French to start or reading in French very slowly. You know, I, I feel like that's exactly what he had to do. He tried. He it, it it sort of took the edge off, I think, a little bit. Not that it was a very contentious moment, but I, I feel like it was a bit of an endearing moment, even if it was bad French. Um, but anyway, um, the relationship is the big thing here. And I I think that was sort of the beginning of the relationship. And now we're going to see exactly how this relationship goes. But it's interesting that you mentioned that all this debate is going to continue and continue because I think he sort of laid it out perfectly. He said, it's not going to happen now. We're going to wait for the right uh, person to come along. We don't know who that person is yet. We have an idea of where that person might come from. And the most interesting thing is that it's not necessarily going to be a quote unquote hockey man who's maybe working under Julian Brisebois or is plying his trade elsewhere in a assistant general manager, we'll say, sort of role. It could be an agent. It could be a former player. I think what it really comes down to is it's going to fit someone that fills the holes, perhaps, or the, 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 uh, the blind side that Jeff Gordon might have. So it's not going to be someone just to work under him, it seems. It's going to be someone that's going to compliment him. And now we get into some potential names. Obviously, we've talked on this podcast about Darch and Martin Madden Jr. And I think a little bit of Daniel Briere. But the name that has come up in the week since, thanks to Elliot Friedman, was Kent Hughes, who is an agent. And that's interesting because... That's the first thing that came out of Jeff Gordon's mouth was, hey, maybe you could be an agent. And that sort of makes some sense because clearly they'd have different skills. But also, you know, it's a little it's interesting. It's it's something certainly to dig into because we've seen agents come into the league now. Uh, Bill Zito is doing a tremendous job, it seems, with the Florida Panthers. But what do agents know really about building hockey programs? Now it would be easier to build the hockey program when you have Jeff Gordon, who's really running things, but it is an interesting strategy here. So what do you think about, because we don't really know anything about Kent Hughes other than the fact that he is a fairly high profile agent who speaks both English and French and represents a lot of French speaking and French players uh, mm-hmm. or Quebec born players. Um, so we don't know much. But we know that this might be a strategy they will take. So what do you think about the fact that Jeff Gordon might be complimenting his uh, front office staff with an agent type? So I'll be honest, uh, when Jeff Gordon mentioned the idea that an agent could be considered, I mean, I didn't really know anything about Kent Hughes, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I can mm-hmm. imagine he I mean, there's so many agents out there in the NHR world. It's impossible just to kind of get a sense on every single one that isn't Alan Walsh. Right. But I thought the name Emily Castonguay and like that's a name that like I've just in talking to just friends who are in hockey circles, like they've kind of just like mentioned her 
uh, Alex, Amélie Castonguay, for reference, by the way, uh, is Alexis Lafreniere's agent uh, and woman. So, like, and another thing, too, Alexis Lafreniere, drafted by the New York Rangers, drafted by Jeff Gordon. I mean, to me, like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, that sort of makes sense, I guess, right? So when I heard Kent Hughes propped up as the name of the weekend, I was like, oh, okay, that's not the name I was expecting. But, yeah, I I got a weird feeling that uh, the person who ends up in that job one, they're not going to be this overly experienced person. Two, it could easily be somebody we were not even thinking of. Like, I know a lot of people are trying to float the Patrick Waugh thing, but it's probably going to be somebody that, like, we did not expect at all. And, and maybe someone we don't even really know that much. But I do think it's interesting that Jeff Gordon is is at least the way that he's kind of putting himself out there with regards to this race is just saying, hey, we're open to just about anybody who's going to be in a position to compliment me in this two-man tandem we have for running the Montreal Canadiens. It could be an agent. It could be a GM. It could be anybody else. Like, I, I, I'd be interested. I'd be in- interested in, in who, obviously interested in who it is. But if it is Kent Hughes, if it is Emily Castonguay, if it is Briere, like, it's, I'd be very intrigued as to who it could be. But I, I am into the fact that it could possibly be an agent. One thing, one thing about Kent Hughes that I'll just kind of focus in on here is the fact yep. that, one of the names that Elliot Friedman mentioned in terms of uh, Kent Hughes's clients was Patrice Bergeron. And isn't Patrice Bergeron's contract like coming up like pretty soon? Like, yeah. I was just thought, that, I mean, you probably didn't think anything of it, but it would just be kind of funny to me if, if, uh, if Kent Hughes somehow ends up getting the position. Cause I think the first thing that a lot of fans would kind of point to is be like, okay, so Patrice Bergeron's your guy, find a way to bring him back to Quebec. And I know it's a very, like innocuous thing to just kind of just like hang over here. But uh, I think that's another thing that people need to think about with player agents is that I think they'll just think about the fact that the clients that they have, they'll just think, okay, well, if you're in that position, maybe there's a way to get some of your clients over to these teams. That's what I think fans will think. That, well, that's what I, I think they'll think. I certainly think one of the interesting things or the most interesting thing about the name Kent Hughes, I mean, literally hasn't been someone that's, you know, floated through my brain previous to this point is the fact that he has such an expanded collection of French-speaking clientele in the NHL. I mean, that is very, very intriguing and an interesting carrot for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. If they can dive in or tap into that talent base, then you got something there. Now, I don't think Patrice Bergeron is necessarily going to be going from Boston to Montreal. I think maybe if there's... You know, if Kent Hughes is moving on, it's maybe partially because Patrice Bergeron is moving on. We don't know if he's yep. going to actually return next year. So maybe that is the perfect pivot point for him. Um, but I think what's really clear here is that it's not going to be someone that's going to compete with Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon is running this team. I mean, it, it, there's. I, I felt like one of the big storylines going into that press conference was, was there going to be any confusion over what the chain of command might be and he didn't speak in these absolutes and he said the general manager is going to be speaking to other general managers and they're going to have the power to make decisions but really it's pretty clear this is Jeff Gordon's team and that the the what they're looking for in terms of the complementary piece is just that a complementary piece someone with different skills and that's why someone who knows the business side and might know a lot of French-speaking players that should be targets of the Montreal Canadiens, let's be honest here, 
yeah. uh, is very, very interesting. So did, did you find that was sort of cleared up the chain of command piece or were there questions answered? Are there questions lingering still about how this is all going to work now that Gordon is in the seat that he's in? I think even if they said, you know what, even if they emphasize more and more that it's just, you know, no one has the power over the other. It's it's just hard to separate the fact that it is that it isn't Jeff Gordon running this team. Like the the position that he's in, uh, the skills that he has and very and especially with the candidate that they end up hiring, like if they end up hiring a guy who's never been in a GM position before uh, or even someone who's never worked in an HL front office before. Like, imagine trying to sell to people, and no disrespect to Daniel Briere, just going to throw him out as an example, a guy running an ECHL franchise. Imagine selling to people that Danny Briere has the same level of power as a guy like Jeff Gordon who has bounced around from original six NHL franchises, building the teams that he's built and accumulating the the players he's had for each of those teams. Like, it's, it's not an easy sell. So I think it's pretty clear to me that Jeff Gordon is the guy running this team, and whoever is going to be working as GM – I mean, they'll be the GM of the Montreal Canadiens and they'll handle a lot of press stuff and they'll be speaking to the all the other GMs and make trades and whatnot. But just like how in Toronto, it's it's Brendan Shanahan essentially running the show. We do put a lot of emphasis on Kyle Dubas, just like with the Raptors. It's Bobby Webster, the GM, but it's Masai Ujiri running the show. It's going to be the mm-hmm. same deal in Montreal here. Jeff Gordon is the guy running things for the Canadians. He just happens to have a GM working with him. And I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how many other teams have that dynamic in pro sports, but it's not uncommon. Yeah, I think the uh, Toronto Raptors parallels are pretty spot on um, because Bobby Webster um, is very talented in his own right and, and and a valued member of that organization. But if we're led to believe philosophy-wise, it is Masai Ujiri making the decisions and Bobby Webster has turned into an extension of Masai Ujiri. And I think that's exactly what they're looking for here with Gorton setting the tone and then someone to you know, carry out his agenda and to bring other skills to the table as well. And that's why both an agent or a former player, I think a former player less so because, you know, it it just, it's not the actionable skills maybe aren't the same as an agent who understands a very specific part of this business. Um, But we shall see um, which way that they go. Two other points from that um, press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being that they have a desire to build an analytics department, according to Gordon. Can you tell me what the sort of situation is in terms of um, analytics uh, within the Montreal Canadiens and what he might be looking to accomplish here? So from my limited viewpoint on that, the Montreal Canadiens do not strike to me as a team that is at the forefront of teams with analytics. So the fact that Jeff Gordon made that a point to say that they want to build out that staff a lot more. I know a lot of Habs fans who were very excited at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you look at some guys on the Montreal Canadiens, I don't necessarily think some of their underlying numbers are all that amazing. Uh, at least a lot of the fancy stats people will tell you that. So that doesn't lead me to believe that the Canadians are heavily invested in analytics. They might be on the side that says, oh, well, we have some form of analytics, but it's a tool kind of deal and they're not necessarily all the way in and when I think of players who by the way fit the bill of underlying numbers not necessarily being great I'm thinking of the Ben Sherats and the Christian Dvoraks of the world who have not had the great underlying numbers this season it was a it was a very intriguing thing for him to kind of single out uh, on top of the fact that he said that he need to they need to build out the development staff a little bit more too but analytics like for the Canadians like it has not necessarily been a strong point 
for this team going forward. Hey, they made a cup final in the last how many months, but we all know, uh, we all know it's kind of turned into what it's turned into right now. But yeah, I think if this team ends up going the way of not the future, it's right now teams use analytics the way that they do. And we see a lot of good teams in the NHL have their analytics departments and they have, they've achieved some moderate success, if not beyond that in the national hockey league. So I think a lot of fans kind of took it as refreshing to hear somebody say that, Hey, we are going to delve into analytics and we are going to use it. It's important to use. It was really interesting to hear Jeff Gordon kind of use that verbiage when it came to describing analytics, when we've heard so many other people say that, Oh, well, you know, it's just kind of there. And, you know, I guess we'll get to it or the Pierre Maguire type of answer where you just kind of like downplay analytics to a sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of makes me think like, okay, it was Bergevin's way, one person making decisions, you know, very limited in terms of voices in the room before. And Jeff Gorton seems like the opposite of that. I think he has to do that sort of by design or by necessity because he is not the general manager. He is not the person who can just stand up and say, the buck stops here, I'm doing everything. Be- just through the nature of the job, he's going to have a general manager working under him. And I guess... This goes into the diversity piece. They just want to have more people with information inside the organization now. That seems like the type of um, operation that Jeff Gorton wants to be in charge of. And that is a good thing. I think analytics is a very polarizing word for some strange reason. It's really just people that can break down information and evaluate players. It's really just that. And I think you use the word, you piss some people off. You get others excited when really it's just like, we just want to bring in more voices here and and make sure that we're making the best decisions we can because one person making decisions is limiting compared to multiple people making decisions. And that's really all that I got from that. Like, I'll say this though. Like when Mark Bergevin came into the organization, I don't know what the analytics voices were like then, but in terms of other voices around him, like he had Scott Mellenby, he had Rick Dudley, He had voices around him. It's just, I guess, maybe they just weren't on that side that thought that, you know, maybe we need more analytics at that point. But it's Mm -hmm. not to say they didn't have any. It's just maybe they had their different place in the organization at that point. Like one name, like Matt Pfeiffer was around the team for years. I think he left like after the Subban Weber trade. That was a story that like went around for a long time, but like clearly not being heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because he was very big on on keeping P.K. Subban at that point. But yeah, like I I, I think just the names you bring in for analytics, I'm very curious what that's going to look like because there's no shortage of analytics people just on Twitter, let alone in the hockey world, right? Right. So it'd be interesting to see the Canadians kind of build that up. Yeah, uh, definitely. It seems like everyone was speaking the same language, not, you know, pardon the pun. Everyone was speaking the same language before in terms of how they evaluated players Let's get some different views. Let's get some different viewpoints. It's clear that it's going to be a more diverse group in terms of their thought process. We'll see if it's more diverse in other ways as well. Last point was the very end of the press conference. Gorton confirmed that Dominique Ducharme will stick around for the remainder of the season. Any surprise there? Not surprised for me. Uh, I I mean, the Canadians are still on the hook for Claude Julien's salary after they let him go last year. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much Dominic Ducharme mates, makes, but I think if you're in a position where you're essentially paying for three coaches, that's not necessarily all that cost effective. Also, if the Canadians are at this point now where they've realized, hey, you know what? Like, we are where we are. We're probably going to try to get into the draft lottery here. What is getting rid of Dominic Ducharme really going to do? 
to be honest with you, the players are banged up as they are or just not playing well uh, or the team by design is also just not all that great. Like I, not to defend Dominic Ducharme here, but like, I don't think he deserves a lot of the blame that's kind of coming to him. I think the system that he was trying to put on with his team, uh, which to be honest, I can't even give you a straight answer as to what that coaching system is. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that, I think that deserves some criticism, but to put it all on Dominic Ducharme and I see people kind of rail on him every single night, the Canadians play like, I'm sorry, like the way the team was built, like that's not on Dominic Ducharme. Like that, that was on Mark Bergevin clearly. And the Canadians have already addressed that. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's not the first order of business in in any way or any fashion. Um, They have to get a general manager first. Those two together with maybe more voices are going to make the major decisions in terms of who's going to be coaching and playing for the team. So I just feel like it's lower on the priority list. That makes it easier to keep him around. And maybe they decide, hey, he's not the problem at all. And we actually like some of the things that he's doing and he can be a part of the next phase of this team. So we shall see on that one. But the next order of business for Gordon is getting that general manager. He says it will not happen until after Christmas. So that's about a a month at least for you guys over there in Montreal to discuss Patrick Waugh and other candidates. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. Patrick Waugh. Dude literally put himself out there in the race. Be like, hey, why not me? Taking over I the job isn't going to be that I bad. It. I just think it's so ridiculous, man. Like, look, I don't even know. I mean, Jeff Gordon, to his credit, said, you know what? Like, I, I obviously knows of him. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no to Patrick Waugh. Mm-hmm. He tried to keep that line of communication open if that is something he even wants to do. I don't know, man. I, I I don't think it would work well for the team. I think for me as a media person and for us on this show and everyone else in the hockey world, we would love that because we would just love to see all the antics with Patrick Waugh and what he would do with the Montreal Canadiens. They're actually fans at the same game uh, on Thursday night where uh, the jersey was thrown onto the ice. There were fans chanting for Patrick Waugh and there was a fan holding a sign that said Waugh for GM. Clearly, uh, there are fans in Montreal who really, really, really want Patrick Waugh, uh, but I I would be very surprised if they took him seriously, to be honest with you. So, like, yeah, I, that's how I think. Since you mentioned it, let's get into the uh, new epidemic, which is jerseys being thrown onto the ice. Uh, you caught one in Montreal. I believe you were responsible for the viral tweet, um, <laughs> which I don't know how viral it was. You can tell me if it was that viral or not. But uh, – a jersey on the ice in Montreal earlier in the week, a jersey on the ice in Vancouver Saturday night, and a loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Where are you on just that sort of protest, Julian? Like, I mean, is not my money, is not my jersey. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But I do think it's a bit barbaric and infantile. Like, you don't need to be throwing stuff on the ice. I don't even like people, I don't even like the idea of throwing like my hat for like a hat trick. For example, the only time I really like stuff being thrown on the ice is when those AHL teams put together those like teddy bear tosses after like a goal <laughs> scored or whatever. They have that promo night. I've been in there for in person for one of them, and it was like really awesome to see. But like throwing a jersey, like I don't know what point are you trying to prove? Okay, congratulations, you you paid all the money to to go to the game or you got your tickets somehow some way, and you're just gonna give yourself attention by throwing this jersey onto the ice i'm not necessarily a, a fan of it but like I, I was just shocked just to see it happen in montreal just i mean apparently it's happened before i don't know how long ago it was though from the last time it happened but to see mm-hmm. i saw the jersey like float to the ice 
and I, I literally just let out an, Oh my God. And like, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Like I, it was, it's just surprising to me because like I see the Canadians fans have been there for so long and they'll boo, they'll do all this, all this stuff, like chanting Patrick Waugh's name, booing Jeff Petrie every time he touched the puck in that game, but throwing a Jersey onto the ice, that's not something that even registered in my mind. And then to see someone in Vancouver do it, what's, what's crazy about that game is I wasn't watching that game at all until like the final seconds of the game. I just said, like, oh, you know, what? I just want to see what the score is. I tune in and within like 10 seconds, a jersey is thrown onto the ice. That was like so scary to me. I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just a dumb thing to do as a fan. But at the end of the day, like it's it's not my money. If you want to do that, if you're willing to part with your Sergei Kostitsin jersey, by all means, I guess, do that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very like there are uh, it's very childish obviously and there's like other things that you can't do at a hockey game or a sporting event you run on the field you streak you do whatever like you're gonna get in trouble it's it's so stupid i don't know why you're you're getting your ass handed to you but this one this one is effective like nothing else is effective it's all like you just laugh it off but the jersey being thrown on the ice somehow does work right it, it's 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 and it's probably very embarrassing as a player. It's probably very embarrassing as an organization. If you're a fan of the team and you're not that passionate that you're throwing jerseys on the ice, you're probably embarrassed as well. And it's something that you just don't have a good answer for if you're in the locker room and you're going to be asked about it a hundred percent. And there's yeah. really nothing you can say. Like it is an effective form of protest despite being so ridiculous, you know, you don't get what but, I'm but, saying. Well, here's my thing about it in Vancouver. I completely understand that that is a method of protest because of the fact that the organization that's in place right. from the ownership on down, nothing's looking too good right now. Fans and nothing's changing. Been, nothing's changing. Fans have been begging for change for some time in the Montreal case. This literally comes after Mark Bergevin is fired. Uh, like this is the day before Jeff Gordon is, and, and is six months after going to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, like the, like they've had some good. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll say this like, yes, they went to a Stanley Cup final like how many months ago? But let's not forget about the fact that if it wasn't for the pandemic, the Canadians probably don't make the playoffs. Mark right. Bergeron probably loses his job sooner. Like this is a team that was like, not great. They caught fire at the right time. They earned every single series victory that they got in that postseason run. But this was not a team that by any stretch of the imagination, people legitimately saw as a contending team. And ultimately, with the way that they just kind of stumbled out of the gate for this year, like we clearly saw this was a team in desperate need of repair here. So not to say that I just to justify the fan being frustrated throwing that jersey, but like this is a Canadians team that has been in need of direction for quite some time. It's just that they already took the steps to try to change that already. And you still throw that Jersey. That's just confusing to me. I mean, yes, they were losing to the avalanche in that game, but like, I don't know. It just, it just seemed as if like they had already tried to do things to kind of get out of the hole that they're in They're They're in the hole. Like you're going to be stuck there for however long you're going to be there. But like, someone threw a shovel from how many feet down and you're in the process of trying to just, you know, dig up, I guess, or I don't know how that works. You're trying to climb. So that's what just made it weird compared to the Vancouver Canucks one where people are just, they're they're chanting fire bending and like almost every game now, like they're like that, 
jersey being thrown and then Brian Doolin of all people just putting the stick yeah. to try to give it back to a fan like that's that's a that's why it's effective attention. like that, that it's like that's a, a that legitimate scene like we're gonna remember Dumoulin picking it up and trying to put it over the glass I mean that that's sort of what I'm getting at it's like in Montreal there's no reason to be protesting right now like unless you're really against the fact that Jeff Gordon is running the team because you believe that in your heart of hearts it should be a French-speaking person running people the are doing Canadians. that and you can protest that if you want, but like to protest what they're doing as an organization from a, okay, we're trying to rebuild standpoint. Like there's nothing to protest, but one person does it. And again, we question, we question the intelligence of thousands and thousands of people on a daily basis on twitter.com and, and just in our own lives here, but one person does it and Gorton is asked about it. Players are asked about the organization has to deal with it. Like it, that, yeah. for that reason alone, it's this like one thing that you can do as a fan and I'm not condoning it at all, but it actually will have some ripple effect. And that's why it's, it's pretty I'm interesting. Just I'm just surprised that like it happened in Montreal. Then it happened so quickly in Vancouver. Like, are we expecting the senators to do this next? Like apparently like, good segue. I, I can, Great I segue. Yeah, you know where we're like, going this, next. <laughs> yeah, are the Senators going to do this? Like, this is a team that they said, hey, we're done losing. Like, are, are we going to see a Senators fan go out and do this? Like, also, it happened at a Leafs game this year, which I completely forgot about. They've been so good. Oh, yeah, that, like, it did happen. I completely at a Leafs game forgot about the fact that it happened at a Leafs game this year. Like, really? Hey, maybe that's the turning point. You mentioned it. They've been pretty good since that jersey was thrown onto the ice. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But yeah, the Senators. But- but to go with Ottawa, I mean, no reason to throw jerseys last two games with wins over Carolina and Colorado. But sandwiched in between of those two big wins was another GM stepping to the podium. Well, not GM, because as we know, Jeff Gordon is not the Montreal Canadiens GM, but the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, uh, basically giving a state of the union or taking questions at the quarter poll of the season. And the big news from that was that he reneged on his comment earlier or before the season that the core pieces are all in place. The rebuild or the rebuild is over, sorry, saying that now the core pieces are in place is what he meant. That's sort of a, that's like peak Pierre Dorian to a certain degree. Like this is a guy who gets really excited and he wants to be feeling good about his team. He was at the end of last year. He felt that vibe, I guess, all summer long. It was very, very excited to say that the rebuild was over. But even his adjusted statement that the core pieces are in place, I'm just not buying that. If you have a complete teardown, if you're going to bottom out, if you're going to be bad, and you're believing that you're on the other side of it, you've got to have a superstar, right? And I'm a huge Brady Kachuk guy, but this is a 50-point player max, it seems to me, at least at this point in in his career. This is not an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid or a Jack Eichel or whoever you want to go, whoever you want to name. This is not the superstar player that is going to be the player that you build around. You're building around Brady Kachuk. And again, I love Brady Kachuk, but it seems to me that the core pieces are not in place because there's no superstar and Hey, they might get him this year. It's, it's very possible because that's the position position they're in. And maybe that was the timeline all along, but they don't have a superstar to build around yet. And they don't have a goalie, I don't think. So to say that the core pieces are in place, I think Dorian's just wrong. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. They're, this team is not ready. I don't know why, but thinking of Pierre Dorian, I always think of that time from earlier this year where the Canes and Senators were playing and all these journalists, including myself, were trying to get onto an elevator to go down the press room and the elevator is like filling up. And Pierre Dorian is outside and he can't get in. And then he grumbles some word to himself and we all just laugh in there. He wasn't ready to get in that elevator. It's kind of filled. Like, I'm sorry, buddy, but like the Ottawa Senators were not ready to take that step into the elevator of being an actual decent contending team. They're not ready yet. And there's no shame. There's no shame for the Ottawa Senators in saying that, hey, you know what? We still need a bit more time, whether it's with the core pieces or just filling out the rest of this roster to actually be a good team. You're right. They need a goalie. This is a team that just sent down Matt Murray. Matt Murray down to the American Hockey League. They still need to figure that out. And you're right. They, like Brady Kachuk, great player. Tim Slitzler still trying to find his, his own groove. I know he, he finally reached the 40-point plateau in his career. Uh, this is a team that still needs some more players. They still need some more seasoning. They're on the right track. They have the right idea. I still think DJ Smith is a good coach for this team, too. They're just not ready yet. And I don't think there's any shame in the Ottawa Senators saying that, you know what, they're not ready to be a true competitive team. I said at the beginning of the year, like, you know what? It's not on them to, to be a contending team, but get some wins over some decent teams to kind of help the morale and the momentum on this team. Those wins against Carolina and Colorado, big wins for this organization this year. And I know after the Carolina win, DJ Smith was really happy about that. And we, mm-hmm. and we said that like, they'll be able to take some wins off of some teams in their own division. So the fact that they were able to go out of their division and beat those two teams, two teams that we think are going to be Stanley Cup contenders this year, if nothing else, the Sanders can always look back on this season and be like, hey, we were able to beat those teams at different points in the year. They're, they're not ready to be a competitive team yet uh, on a consistent basis, but they're still able to be scrappy and get some wins here and there. And there's no shame in that. Take your time with this rebuild. Yeah, that's that was the next phase. I mean, to, the next phase was to do what you did at the end of the season last year for a full season. The the expectation should have been maybe they could be like the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are clearly at a talent disadvantage every night, but are playing really good hockey and are playing above what their, I guess, projected record would suggest. They're just competitive night in and night out. And I think that's what we expected from an Ottawa Senators team coached by DJ Smith. But again, things have not went well and they don't have the talent to make up for the fact that certain things have not went well. This is one of the teams that dealt with COVID. This is one of the teams that has dealt with injury. Colin White and Shane Pinto, as Pierre Dorian mentioned, have not been around for the majority of the season. Like they, mm-hmm. they are not deep enough to withstand um, injuries and adversity. And clearly they're not at that point yet. But he's right. There are a lot of good pieces, a lot of good pieces outside the organization. Tyler Clevin and Jake Sanderson, as he mentioned, I think Ridley Griggs is going to be a player that's going to play 
a high profile role for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Yes, there are players that have been, there are prospects in the system, there is hope on the horizon, but not to suggest that the rebuild is over is is foolish because those players aren't even half the players that are going to make a big impact aren't even with the team just yet and wasn't didn't they like i don't know if they put colin white on waivers but they were like trying to get rid of him at the start of last year or something like that and now he's this indispensable part of the team (laughs) like there's there's definitely some hypocrisy going on he got a little excited i think we understand that this is a guy who gets a little too excited sometimes but this was not a team that was ready yet And it seems like a team, as I mentioned before, that should be in the bottom three this year to get one more good player to truly get them on the upswing. I think that's the most, you know, accurate reality right now for the Ottawa Senators. How much better are the Ottawa Senators from the day when Pierre Durian was talking on Sportsnet and was asked about the Senators and all he had to say was, we're a team? Like, how much better are they from that day? I mean, they can't be that much better, but the organizational outlook has to be better because since then he's made all those trades to get all those prospects and picks. And as he mentioned, they've got a ton of picks in this year's draft. Like you're not through the rebuild if you haven't spent all your draft capital yet in terms of like the surplus, right? So they're in a better spot. You might worry about, you know, what the two Pierres are doing in terms of their uh, you know, we do- just talked about diversity with the Montreal Canadiens in terms of analytics and this and that. It seems like the buck stops with those two who could be, you know, the stars of the best reality TV show in hockey if they had cameras two around Pierres. those two at all times. The two oh Pierres would be amazing. Um, but, you know, I think with all the players that they have acquired through the draft and after this rebuild and trading people like Mark Stone and Eric Carlson, I think there's reason to be, you know, encouraged but it's just not there yet and they have to continue to hit on these picks and again a lot of these picks were contentious certainly yeah. uh what they did at the last draft was uh not the way an analytical mind would go not to say it won't work but you know a lot of these things have to have to prove themselves first and dorian and the two pierres they certainly have to prove that they can build this team to get out of the real rebuild phase because clearly they are not out of it yet uh, to the Ottawa Senators and your communication staff and your whoever runs Sens TV or whatever, your content department, give us like an episode or two of, of the two peers. Just follow them around for a day, and I promise it'll be like your most viewed content of the year. I would watch anything with those two. It would. Uh, the the uh, the screenshot of them like dapping each other up at the start of the Amazing. year was just uh, honestly that's. One of the greater still images uh, in history. Before we wrap up, two teams that are probably overshooting expectations a little bit or have just risen into that elite tier, um, maybe unexpectedly this year, are the Minnesota Wild and the New York Rangers. We haven't talked about either of them much on this program, but they deserve a little attention. The Wild with six straight wins. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night in a shootout. They got the second most goals in in the entire NHL, which is a little surprising when you look at their roster because it's not like an overwhelming collection of talent, at least on paper. And the Rangers are 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. So are you buying either the Wild or the Rangers as legitimate Stanley Cup contenders? I think this season goes a, a long way to determining whether they truly belong in that tier. I think if they both make the playoffs and they make some noise, then I think from here on out, we can see them as cup contending teams. Like Kirill Kaprizov, who scored in that shootout against the Leafs, uh, just 
playing up to the trying to play up to the salary that he was given this off season. And you're right. The talent that is there, it's pretty surprising to see them do well. Is Ryan Hartman still leading them in goals? Cause he was doing really well for the Minnesota wild, mm-hmm. uh, but they have some decent pieces on that team. They have some goaltending as well. And obviously they have the superstar in Kirill Kaprizov to kind of build the team around. So if they do well this year, like I, I don't even think they necessarily need to make it to like a conference final. I think if they make some noise and go to round two and they have a pretty decent fight against whoever they play, that might be enough for me to think, okay, they could be a contending team next year. The New York Rangers, I think, are in the same boat too. Like they made all these moves uh, well from the rebuild. Uh, and now they're at the point now where they have the coaching in Gerard Gallant. They have the, 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 the superstars up front and they have some great goaltending in the back with Igor Shosturskin. Like they could be a contender. I'm just not ready to give them that label like right now. Like they still need to go through like a playoff series. But I don't, I'm not somebody who's going to just say like, oh, you guys are pretenders. You guys suck, like whatever. Like I, I think they just need to have a good year this year. And even if they fall short of, of Lord Stanley's mug, like that might be enough for me to consider them as the contending team down the line. Like we think of Colorado, they've masked all the talent that they've had. When's the last time they've been to a conference final? We still see them as a contending team. The Vegas Golden Knights from day one have been a team that's all about making the playoffs ever since that Stanley Cup final run. They haven't been to the final ever since, but they've still been a contending team. Uh, I think if Minnesota and the Rangers have good seasons and good postseasons, that I think will be enough for me to consider them into that tier of contending teams. Carolina Hurricanes as well. They haven't been to a Stanley Cup final in how many years. We still see them as a Mm -hmm. contending team. So I don't think it's going to take that much for the Rangers and the Wild to be considered contenders. They just need to deliver on that this year. And it doesn't have to be a Stanley Cup final appearance. Just make it to the playoffs. See if you can win a round. At least make some noise during your time in the playoffs. And then I'll consider you as a Stanley Cup contending team. Yeah, I mean, I think the Wild are a little bit more legitimate if I had to pick between the two. Just the way that they play, very, very impressive, very fast. I mean, this is uh, yeah. this is from a structure standpoint, um, they are at the there should be included in the elite tier at least for, by the way they play hockey. I do think there's a you know there's a bit of a talent dearth. Like they just feel like they're missing something. And again, they could be a team that adds before the deadline, and they could maybe be put over the top that way. But I just feel like this year is so important because the money for Parise and Suter over the next two mm. years, like this is a big season for them. And I want to see if they they make uh, a big splash because, you know, we had like Kevin Fiala trade chatter. And like if you take Kevin Fiala, that roster, like what they're really shorthanded from a from a, um, a talent perspective, at least in terms or when compared to, you know, the elite elite teams in the NHL that have all that talent. I mean, we saw like. JT Miller for Fiala rumors, and I don't think there's anything there. But if they did add JT Miller and they were able to keep Kevin Fiala, then maybe we'll be talking something about the Minnesota Wild. I think they got to make a big deal um, before the deadline because this is an important year. With the Rangers, I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, we, yeah, you know, they got Panarin and they got Kreider going for the Cy Young and they Zabinajad, <laughs> and they got a lot of talent. They just added two, you know, first and second overall picks in Lafreniere and Kako in the last five years. So clearly they're loaded with talent, but it just feels like they're playing a little bit above themselves right now. Shestirkin, as you mentioned, he's going to be going out. Uh, he's going to miss a week, I think, with injury. Yeah, he's, But he's Adam probably, yeah. Fox just, you know, keeping what could be a slightly undermanned defense core, like well above water. Uh, so I don't know if they're quite as sustainable, but on paper... They look like a real team, and they got a guy like Barkley Goodrow, who a big money signing, but he's centering the fourth line right now. Maybe not the best look, but maybe also sort of 
an illustration of how well they're playing and and how much talent they really do have in their top nine. I want the Rangers to be good though, because they do have the pieces and and they are fun to watch. Like the other night when they league's better the- when they're good. Yeah, exactly. They're one of the premier markets, and I understand that they were able to use that to their advantage to lure in some of their players, like a Jacob Truba or an Artemi Panarin. But yeah, the league is much better when the New York Rangers are good, and I don't know if it. I mean, I don't know if it's too early to say they're going to be a playoff team this year. They're going to. Oh, yeah. I don't think we have to worry about them. Yeah, uh, that Metro Division. Those are three heavy hitters holding down those playoff spots right now, and there's. Definitely a few good teams that are going to be trying either to bust into there or nab those wild card positions. Let's move on to the tire pumps. It's the best part of the program. It's where we bestow praise on people in and around hockey that deserve said praise. I'll start with Travis Kelsey, a little bit off the board here. Interesting. But he's going to be de- debuting some new cleats. I believe it's Sunday Night Football, so it's going to get some primetime shine. But the inspiration behind the cleats are Wayne Gretzky's old Nike skates, probably worn in the late 90s or mid 90s that were just absolutely beautiful. And I had a pair of inline skates that were replicas, I believe, of these skates. And they were just, you know, they they belong in the Hockey Hall of Fame, how beautiful these skates are. So, you know, we don't often see hockey players, hockey greats, acknowledged cross-sport type of uh, acknowledgement. We don't often see that. But my guy, Travis Kelsey, is going to be rocking some beautiful cleats. Uh, and the great one is going to be paid homage with them. So for that reason, my tire pump, my less important tire pump compared to yours, I can just <laughs> feel it in my bones, goes to Travis Kelsey. Hey, I think yours is pretty cool, man. Travis Kelsey, one of the best in the game to do it. Uh, repping one of the greatest athletes ever in Wayne Gretzky. Like that's, 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 I think that's a really cool one. I was going to go the route of, uh, of a legend, a Canadian broadcasting legend, uh, yeah, decided important, that more important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who know about Brian Williams and uh, the work that he's done over the last 50 years, uh, just in Canadian sports media, uh, he's just a voice that, you know, I have obviously I was not around for 50 years, but just as long as I have seen him on TV, he has been at some of the most important sporting moments that we've seen across our great nation in Canada, uh, whether it's the Olympics uh, well, mostly the Olympics, but also other CFL yep. stuff too. And other big moments in sports in Canada. Brian Williams is a name that I've all long associated with that. Like for people in America, they think of Brian Williams, the NBC guy. I always thought of him as number two compared to the Brian Williams that we have, who is mm-hmm. clearly number one. And for him to announce his retirement kind of made me sad a little bit. Just a part of my childhood kind of just disappearing into, you know, into my childhood essentially mm-hmm. just into the background i guess but uh stick tap to uh brian williams well not to use stick tap that's for another show tire pump to brian- <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah my bad wrong show uh tire pump to, to brian williams uh on a successful career uh all the best to you going forward uh and uh, employ you all to look at his monologue from the uh, the 2010 olympics when he was working with ctv uh still one of the best uh, monologues just to hear just about the uh the gold medal game the head of that day which was a pretty great day for team canada and uh, for one chris cuthbert who got to call that game as well i had to plug yeah the uh well he's not the goat but brian williams is the canadian <laughs> sports broadcasting goat 100 percent um and, and as far as I understand, he's one of the nicest humans in the industry as well. But you're right. I mean, those big moments in Canadian sports history, 
Ben Johnson to Salt yeah. Lake to Vancouver. Who was the person that we were listening to before and after those moments occurred? It was Brian Williams. I mean, he will forever live in Canadian sports broadcasting history. 50 years, what a number. So congratulations to him. And uh, congratulations to us to have Brian Williams in our life all this time. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. The, one of the goats of our of our industry. I don't know if he's... Is he the... You, you really think of him as the goat? He's the goat. He's the goat. Okay. I mean, I think in Canada, yeah. He just hasn't been in Canada, yeah. Uh, You know, he's been out of the limelight a little bit for the last, I'd say, decade. He's been doing, you know, he comes around the Great Cup and does some pretty special pieces around the Great Cup. And uh, I don't think he's been at the last few Olympics. I might have to be checked on that. Um, But, you know, yeah, I mean, a 50-year run, all the big events. I mean, pretty much everything that we would think about off the top of our heads, except for... You know, maybe this last these last few years where, you know, the Canadian women's soccer team winning gold and just the the exceptional things we've seen from Canadian athletes, I guess, in the last three or four years. Aside from that, Williams has been a part of like every massive moment. So for that reason, I think maybe a little recency bias working against him. But in terms of like what he's done in his legacy, I think he stands alone. Tire pump, a tire pump for Brian Williams, a tire pump. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to get that confused ever again. Never going to say the other thing I just said. Nope. That's for a completely different show. A worthy tire pump. You know what? It's so worthy. I'll give him a stick tap as well. Why not? Wow. Shout out to you for using (laughs) stick taps, man. There you go. Uh, Let's wrap it there. Yeah, because we're we're not uh, we haven't we haven't earned the leash that a Brian Williams has earned. So we can't just keep talking forever. (laughs) We got to wrap it up. Once it gets to about the hour mark. So for Julian McKenzie, Justin Cuthbert, this has been the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.